2: Oilers now with Bob Stoffer weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio six thirty. Chad. We return to Oilers now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex, service for all brands of print equipment in your office.
1: Yeah, Digitex does that.
2: D i g i t e x. Ca on Oilers Radio six thirty. Chad.
3: It is Brendan Escott taking you home here on Oilers now. The worst kept secret in hockey comes to fruition finally. Dave Tippett the next man to guide the Edmonton Oilers and to talk about that we bring aboard uh, well he's darn near a weekly contributor we love hearing from him of NBCSN he's the capital analyst out it is Al May Al thanks for jumping aboard my friend how's it going today
2: Uh, doing great thanks for having me
3: of course so not only have you played with Dave Tippett you've played for Dave Tippett so maybe provide a little insight for the listeners on when that took place and and what you know about him as a person
2: well, back when we played in Washington, I think we played three seasons together, if my memory serves correct. But it probably doesn't. But uh, a scrawny little guy that played with heart, and he was just an absolute genius out on the ice. How, how intelligent he was! Uh, not very physically gifted, but he was a hockey player through and through. And you know, one of the great guys in the team uh, fit in, messed in well with everyone, from the star players to the role players. And you know, which he was more of on the role player side. A little more talented when it came to scoring goals at times in his career, and then. You know, when he got into coaching, he, he called me. He was in Houston uh, in the old International Hockey League before it merged in the Mer- with the Mer- American Hockey League. And uh, when I went to play for him, he was so incredibly detailed. It was amazing. We had a really strong team. Uh, the, the record was drastically different from, you know, he took over the team the year before, partway through the season as a player or coach. And, uh, an injury forced him to become a full-time coach. And he, he was just way ahead of his time. And I thought the amount of prep that he put into getting the players ready, the, the details, and, you know, he, he really, when I look back, was probably, you know, the most intelligent coach that I had as far as the X and O's in the game and, and the nuances of the game about positioning, how to fight for pucks. Just all the little details that help you become a better player. And uh, I heard his press conference today, and I had a great laugh, because when he talked about analytics, I've been telling people this for years. Coaches have been doing analytics forever. They just didn't have the fancy name attached to it. But you'd go into Dave's office, and he'd be hibernating. Whether you got there at 7 or 8 a.m. in the morning, like a lot of the married guys and guys with kids, they kind of get to the arena early. He'd be in his office splicing tape, back the old-fashioned way. And then he'd be there. Hours after, you know, we would work out there for one, go to lunch, come back to the rink, pick up the cars, and Tip would still be in there doing video. And, you know, in the minor leagues back then, he did everything yourself. So uh, he's very detailed and very regimented, and the players love playing for him. And I know they did in the NHL because I've lived in Dallas forever, and he was at the stars. The players absolutely love the guy. So,
3: Al, knowing what you know of this Oilers group, having done this show so much, what do you think of the fit for Tippett here in Edmonton?
2: Well, you know what, his name, his age mentioned quite a few times in the last few days, and he's one of those guys that transcends well it doesn't matter because whether they're an older player or a younger player, he just has an incredible knack for talking and communicating with the players, and he never embarrasses them. He won't use the media as a weapon. It's not going to be about him getting the win. He's going to teach these players, how to do things better. And when people say that it's about defensive detail and that's all he worries about, no, he's just showing them the other parts of the game to excel on. And you look at a lot of your superstars being your better players, you know, they've only thought about offense. they like, they were drafted for their offensive skills. And they've never thought about what real defense means. So he teaches players that, but he still encourages them to play their game. So I just think with the group that they have there, whether, you know, it's fourth-line guys or third-line guys, which he played a lot of his career. He's going to teach them how to do their roles better and, and be better within the game at the games that they play. Uh, and the same thing with the star players. He's just going to add little tweaks to their game. He's not going to take away from, you know, what they're doing. He's just going to add to it. So I, I think he's the perfect fit, an excellent communicator in the room. And I know he's a lot like Barry Trotz when it comes to the details of the game. And I think that's a great thing because you look at the drastic improvement on the island last year. They were short on, you know, high-end talent when it came to offense. But Chick had some great offensive teams in Dallas. Uh, in Phoenix, when he first got there, they did some great things. And then they went to those $30 million rosters when the rest of the league was going on 55, $60 million. All he was coaching, all these young players, I thought he did a great, great job. They've always been tough. You know, his team's are always tough for the Capitals as long as I've been here to play against. I just think he's such a great teacher, communicator, uh, all the things that you want in a coach. And once again, with him, he's never going to embarrass the players. There. He's not going to have you know the fights where they're swearing at each other and going over the top. He can get players to do things through respect. and I think that's the greatest thing about him. He's just honest through and through.
3: So having said that, as we talk with Al May right now, uh, one of the things that's been if probably the most resounding message from Ken Holland is the need for stability and the fact that he liked the experience. So when you're talking about moving away from the X's and O's of what Tippett does, but the off-ice stuff, you think that Dave Tippett is an excellent fit in terms of bringing that stability to this locker room?
2: 100 the, percent the players are going to want to be around him and I, I can't spe- i don't know the type of personality that uh, conor mcdavid has in an everyday life but he looks like he's professional and mindful of who he is at all times and i just think a guy like him he's going to relish with the chance to communicate with, with Dave. the players want not resent him and the, the great thing about him is if you're a guy that's on the edge say you're you're, you're a forward number 11 12 13 14 they all understand what their role is and if players say they're pulled out of the lineup, they're not gonna be upset or resentful. They're gonna find ways and they will let them know that you're gonna play in games like this, when we play teams like that. And sometimes you won't if we're on a roll we won't make a master change, but you have to do this when you're in the lineup. You have to be like this, you know, when you're not playing. We still need you to be a part of the team. And then the top end guys, he's gonna make sure that they're including the other guys that 14th forward. And I just think that it's going to be such a cohesive group with him, with the way he communicates with guys, whether it's on the plane, or the hotels, the pre- the shrink, wherever you're at, he just got a great, magnificent way about him. And I know Washington just as a teammate, he was one of those guys that was uh, side by side with me at bringing guys together, getting them to do things, and uh, whether it's dinners or whatever it is, and I think. Because of that, the trickle-down effect to the players is going to be magnificent. He's not a seller at all. The players will want to play for
3: him. Let me ask you this. It was suggested by Holland that uh, Tippett will be included in some of the personnel decisions, just in terms of maybe even rounding out that bottom six. Uh, In your opinion, what do you think Tippett looks for in in that sort of role player towards the bottom of that forward core uh, in order to maximize what he's going to get out of this group?
2: Well, the biggest thing is finding players for him that, that want to do that role, that want to compete there, that, that aren't going to be satisfied with, you know, with, with just getting a jersey every game. Guys that want to excel, and we, we saw it in Dallas. A lot of the players on. A, I don't know if you ever have Matthew Barnaby on the show, but you know he was the guy that was one of those role players for Dave. And, and I know I've heard him say so many times, Dave was his favorite coach, but it's about getting guys to take pride in being a third-line and a fourth-line guy and excelling at it. And you look like Alex Chase on this year, a guy like that that comes every day prepared to do whatever it takes to be a positive, productive member of the team and not to create friction when they're out of the lineup, to make sure that they're just making themselves better And you want those attitudes on your team. And, you know, I know from over the years of playing and talking with Dave about the types of guys you don't want on your team as a teammate. And it goes through as a coach. You want everyone that's all about the team and getting the wins and being better and and just showing up every day to be be at your best. I've got one more here for you, Al May. Uh,
3: Paul Coffey, it was announced that he won't be brought back today. Obviously, we know in the, in the last couple of weeks, McTavish has parted ways with the team. We now know who Holland wanted as the head coach. What do you think about the first few weeks of Ken Holland and the GM chair here in Edmonton?
2: Well, well, I like this fact that it hasn't been crashing. Man. It just hasn't come out. of just kind of on everything. He's a communicator. I think that's very important. There's been no rash decisions. He's been at the top of the heap with the Red Wings. He's been near the bottom with them. And he's not going to make rash decisions. And I think when you talk about experience, you have to earn it. That's the only way you get it. And I just think that he's using all of that all of that experience right now to make great comprehensive decisions that are going to help this team be better. Not just in the past one year and go four without but to build on something to make sure that they're a contender going forward. Get into the playoffs first and then build from there and see what you have. But I think the fact that you're hiring a veteran coach like this that checks, I can check all the boxes. And you look at Dave Tippett's record in Arizona the last few years when they weren't making the playoffs. I know for a fact that they they were playing, well, they had Datsuk on their payroll, they had Chris Pronger on the payroll, Dave Boland, guys like that. They had all these salaries on the payroll eating it up. So you really had to coach all these young players. Uh, and like I said, they, they came into Washington and, and whipped them one night, and they had a $31 million on the ice compared to whatever the Caps were, max cap, and I think we are just a couple dollars under it. So, you know, it, it's making sure that they're making the right decisions going forward, and, and I think the most important was getting this coach, and then after that, I think working in concert together to make sure that you're applying and putting the right roster together because I think – the oilers have a lot of players that are plugging the same holes right now and you know not to you know denigrate any of the defensemen but when i look at the roster their defense, defensive they've got a lot of guys that are the same plug like a number six or a number seven and the problem is you've got too many of those guys and you're going to have to eliminate they need to make sure that they got appropriate number one d at number two number three guys are not stretched too far out of their way to make sure that this is a good roster but in the meantime I think Tip is a guy that's going to help players elevate their game. You go back and look at the, a lot of the stats on the Dallas Stars when they got there. It was one career year after another for players, and I, I think that speaks volumes about the way that he coaches the game.
3: Really appreciate the insight. Al, we'll let you go here, but I'm sure we'll have you back on in the very near future.
2: Yeah, I look forward to it. Thanks a lot. Take
3: that is Al May. He's an analyst for the Washington Capitals on NBCSN. It's Brendan Escott here steering the ship home on Oilers
1: Now. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest waterslide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zipline through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples
4: to your happy place for a happy price Go to your happy price, Priceline
3: We'll check back in with the one-on-one conversation with uh, Ken Holland and Bob Stoffer when we return on Oilers Now This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio 630 Ched. It is Brendan Escott hanging out with you as we wrap up uh, an extended edition here. Dave Tippett announced as the new head coach of the Edmonton Oilers, and he and Ken Holland will get right to work on uh, retooling this roster as they head towards the 2019-2020 season. Holland had a one-on-one earlier today with Bob and 630 Chad's Reed Wilkins. We'll get into that right now.
2: Thanks for making time for us. Obviously, a big day with uh, Dave being named as head coach. You've referenced experience a lot. He's coached 1,114 NHL games and about 70 more in the playoffs. How did you weigh that, wanting somebody with experience, versus maybe seeing the success of some other younger coaches who've maybe coached in the NCAA or in the AHL who've stepped into franchises and, and, and made an impact? And I guess I'll sort of add on to that, you know, with this feeling that, well, you need younger guys to relate to younger players these days. How did you balance those?
4: That's a great question. Um, You know, I would say to you, um, you know, I've been in the league a long time, around the league a long time. Uh, It's a hard league. It's a hard league, and uh, I've made lots of good decisions. I've made lots of bad decisions um, as a general manager, and you get to... That experience allows you to reflect back on on, uh, future decisions, and I think it's the same thing as a a head coach, and I just think that uh, in going through the process, like I said up there, I had three or four or five uh, coaches who had never coached before on my list. you know, did research on them, talked to Ken Hitchcock, thought about it. And ultimately, like I said, when the process started, uh, Dave was number, was my leading candidate. He was my number one guy. I talked to a lot of people that had played for him. Um, talked to, you know, I talked to Doug Armstrong a lot. Doug and I are very, very um, tight as, uh, you know, general managers. And, and obviously he, Dave worked with, with Doug in, in Dallas to, Doug hired him. So ultimately, you know, in talking to all the people and and, and gathering all the information... In taking my time, I didn't want to take too much time because I wanted to hire a head coach so he had some time to put a staff together and kind of figure out uh, things as well. But I wanted to make sure they took enough time so that as we sit here today, um, I feel real good about the decision, and I do. I feel real good about the process I went through. I feel real good about about, uh, hiring Dave Tippett. I feel good about all the people I've talked to about him, talked to lots of people. I know Ken Hitchcock as well talked to a lot of people that were on his staff, coached with him, coached against him. We talked to players that were on his staff, and ultimately, I feel uh, real good about the research that we done, the process that we went through, that I went through, uh, to get to today. I believe he's. I believe he's going to be able to communicate with the young players. Uh, he's going to walk in the dressing room. I believe in the word resume. I believe that when you, he's got a resume. When you walk into the the, the locker room and you address the team, um, he's got a resume. He's coached over a thousand games. He's been first place a couple times. He took a team to the final four. Um, he coached a team in Dallas. could score goals he coached a team in 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 arizona that that was uh they had to check and have structure and and, and play defense in order to have have success he ran a power play as an assistant coach uh, with the la kings uh, one of the top power plays in the national hockey league before Um, he went to uh, dallas he's played in the league he was a player for a long time Uh, for all those reasons that's why I hired him as the uh, as the head coach of the Edmonton Oilers. All right, I'm
0: going to go back to a question that I opened with regarding the staff, uh, yes. Ken, and that's because, you know, uh, when Todd McClellan came here initially with San Jose, with the San Jose group that he brought, none of those guys had had NHL head coaching experience. Uh, Peter Shirelli made some changes with Todd. Glenn Gullitson, two-time NHL head coach. Trent Yanni had been an NHL head coach, had had a top-five penalty kill of three previous years in Anaheim. Uh, the Oilers' penalty kill was probably going in the right direction until he tried to Ryan Strom, and then it went straight in the tank the rest of the year and just killed the team at times during the year. And then Viveros was a guy that had four or five different NHL organizations in on him off the success of winning in a small market franchise in Swift. So, on that note, uh, there's an economical perspective when it comes to coaches under contract and retaining and those sort of things. Is this going to be a joint decision? Because in the case of what happened last year with Todd and Peter, Todd hired Yanni. That was his hire and then they jointly agreed to hire uh, Gallaudet uh, and Vibero So, I'd like to know, from your perspective, where are you at with that?
4: My philosophy is the head coach has to pick the people that he wants, that he believes. He, they're in the trenches every day, and he has to select the people um, that he believes are going to are going to um, complement one another. I'm the rubber stamp. I, 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 I have the sign off now, as he's going through the process, I'm going to, you know, I went through the process with Mike Babcock and he had lots of uh, assistant coaches. Mike would say to me, I'm going to step outside. I'm going to go get some of me. I'm going to get Jeff Blaschel, who's coaching uh, a college team. But why? we we, we talk about the process and ultimately, uh, Jay, we brought in a guy, uh, Mike Babcock brought in a guy. So the head coach does it. I'm going to, I'm going to sign off on it. I'm going to go through the process. We're going to talk, uh, Um, And he needs to be in the trench. He needs to be in that coach's room on an everyday basis with people that he's hired, that they know he's their boss. Uh, I'm the boss above them, and they need to have chemistry. I'm I'm big on chemistry, um, not only on the ice off the ice, we have to do things to build chemistry, so I'm going to work with Dave, but ultimately he's going to have the final decision putting his staff together, and from an economic standpoint the most important thing, we make decisions about winning, about putting the best team on the ice Uh, we got a great owner, he's built a beautiful, beautiful building here he's invested a lot of money into this city into this this organization they've paid me a lot of money we're going to pay, we all make a lot of money to be in this business, and at the end of the day that the decisions have to be about winning and and, and doing things that are in the best interest of the hockey team so that we can that we can win and I know that Darrell Cates I know Bob Nicholson understand that
3: that is Oilers General Manager Ken Holland in conversation with Bob Stoffer. That does it for Oilers now on this Tuesday edition. A big thank you to all those who contributed on the text line. Dave Tippett officially announced as the new head coach of the Oilers. On this day in 1985, as we go to this day in Oilers history, Wayne Gretzky scores twice. Paul Coffey, Charlie Huddy each score a goal and two assists. That leads the Oilers to a 5-3 win over the visiting Philadelphia Flyers at Northlands, giving them a 3-1 series lead in the Stanley Cup final. Tonight on 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins from 6-8. We'll have plenty more coverage on today's press conference announcements. And otherwise, tomorrow on Oilers Now, we'll hear from Hockey Night in Canada's Craig Simpson, and we're working on a couple other guests for you. Brennan Escott saying thanks for tuning in so long. Up next, a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by the 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jalen Knight.